it is such a unique experience that people talk about this experience. And when you get to experience that and really just feel your baby coming into the world, there is nothing like it. It's painful, but it's just like this out of body experience. There's just so much joy in knowing that I'm doing this. My body was meant for this. Hi, I'm Amy Kiefer, a nurse, doula, and personal trainer. And I'm Crystal Howell, a women's health and orthopedic physical therapist. We're the co-founders of Expecting and Empowered, and we just so happen to be sisters. We built this business because we saw a huge gap between the information that women were given during pregnancy and postpartum and the information that they need. We're committed to helping close the gap so that women are better equipped to navigate these demanding and challenging years. Yes, we're both moms of three, so we know firsthand how many changes women go through physically, mentally, and emotionally because women aren't getting enough information to make informed decisions about their own health. It leaves mothers picking up the pieces afterwards. We need that to change. With our professional backgrounds, we're going to pull the curtain back on this season and give you the information you need to thrive. We're on a mission to change women's health. Let's do this. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Molly Chesterson, who is a mom to three beautiful little girls, and she's a member of the Expecting and Empowered community. Molly and I have a really special connection because I got to be in her third birth, which is the one that we are going to hear about today. So Molly, could you first start by telling our audience a little bit more about you, and then we'll get more into your birth story. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Molly. I'm from New York. I live in Illinois with my husband, my three daughters, and our mom lives with us as well and helps us raise our kids. I'm a working mom. And yeah, I'm really excited to share my birth story today. And Molly and I were chatting a little bit before we got started. And we thought that two things that she could cover before we head into the birth story. One is really interesting. Molly and I met in a doula course and she had me be a doula in her third birth and she hadn't had a doula before. So I wanted to kind of cover why she was in that course, why she wanted a doula. And then Molly also had a scheduled induction and she would like to talk about why she decided to do that as well. Yeah. So before we get into the birth, I'll talk about why I went to the doula course. And so to do that, I want to just give a bit of history. So when my husband and I, Corin, started trying to get pregnant, I didn't have regular periods. So I knew obviously you need a period to get pregnant. And so I went to the doctor and they told me I had what is called PCOS, which is very common in women. And so they immediately started doing a bunch of testing and told me I would need help to get pregnant. So I actually ended up getting pregnant on my own, but I didn't know it. So during those tests, I had something called an HSG. And after that, I was having a lot of bleeding and I didn't think it was normal. So I went to the doctor and my OB at the time was like, this is completely normal. There's nothing wrong. And I kept telling Corin, there's definitely something wrong. This is not a normal amount of blood. It was like a simple procedure. And so the doctor, I went again and he examined me and was like, you're totally fine. So I was told Corn I was going to get a second opinion. So I made an appointment with my now fertility doctor and she saw me right away. They took me in for ultrasound. 
And I will never forget this day. It was February 24th. Corn and I went in. He wrote me this handwritten note on, on my card that said, I love you. We're going to have a great day. And I went in and they told me I was pregnant. And I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah. we didn't think this could be possible. And then right after she was like, you know, it's in your tube and there's a lot of blood in there. I want you to see the doctor. And so every emotion is like going through my head, like, oh my gosh, can this be a viable pregnancy? I had never heard of an ectopic pregnancy. I didn't know this was a thing. And so I got on the phone with a doctor. She was at a different office. I was in the satellite office and, and she was like, I need you to come here now. And they're like, Molly, you can't drive. My mom was visiting in town. She hadn't lived with us yet. And so I was like, okay, I'll drive home. My mom will drive us in. And so we drive over. I see the doctor and she's like, Molly, you're starting to hemorrhage. You need to go have emergency surgery and at a different hospital. And she's like, I'm not going to do the surgery. We're going to do it with your OB's office. And so I was like freaking out. My mom drives me to the hospital. Corn meets us there. So all of this started with this doctor telling me nothing was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Then I go and they're like, you're starting to hemorrhage. We get to the hospital. Another doctor tells me, we don't need to take out your tube. We can just give you this medication that'll take care of the pregnancy because it's an ectopic. It's not viable. And I was like, listen, my doctor who you know I just met with told me this has to come out. So I really was advocating for myself and was like, let's check again. Let's do another scan. They get on the phone with the fertility doctor and they decide to take my tube that day. So a couple hours later, I'm back in surgery. And after the surgery, a couple of days later, I meet with a fertility doctor. She shows me a picture. She's like, your tube was already started to rupture. And if you didn't know, this is one of the leading causes of death for oh women in pregnancy. Gosh, yeah. And that for me was like when I first started kind of not knowing that I needed to be an advocate for myself when it comes to, you know, my medical health. I know my body and I had gone to a couple of appointments and told this doctor, I know something isn't right. And he looked me in the face and was like, you're fine. And he just didn't believe me. And so from there, we then worked with our fertility doctor. I now have one tube. I have PCOS. So I did all kinds of fertility treatments to get pregnant with all three of my girls with a really great doctor who I trust and is phenomenal. But that's what was kind of my awakening that I can't just blindly trust a doctor, which is the case for a lot of women in the US. And really, Amy, your question, why you know I wanted to go to this doula training, I had two births that one, my first daughter, Nix, was a great experience, but I ended up getting an epidural, which I didn't necessarily want, but I didn't have the tools to get myself through that birth. And Corin didn't either. It was our first birth and we didn't take a birth course. And we did reading. I listened to podcasts, but I just, I didn't have the tools that I think could have helped me get there. So between Nix and Scotty, I read a lot of books, listened to a lot of podcasts and I wanted a doula, but couldn't find one in my area. Mm-hmm. So we did an online birth class for Scotty's birth and I did not end up getting an epidural, but Corin missed the birth. And while he was out, the nurse was screaming in my face, telling me to stop yelling and really just kind of like, again, not believing me when I was telling her things was like in my face. And so it was a birth that I didn't have the epidural. So I was happy with that, but the experience wasn't the best experience. And I don't feel like I should have been treated that way in the birth. Mm -hmm. And I felt like having another person there one, if Corn needed to leave the room, I'd have someone else there or the doula could because he ran out to get a burger and uh, the doula could have maybe been there 
in his place, but it was, we didn't have that there. So for the third birth, I was like, this is our last birth. I really want to make sure we set ourselves up for success. And I, again, did a lot of reading. I read the book, Babies Are Not Pizzas, They're Born Not Delivered by Rebecca Decker. And that book shares just different experiences of women and what they go through in birth and when people don't believe them and the importance of a doula and evidence-based birth, which to me, podcasts like this are really important to kind of shed light on what really happens for some women in birth and to just give a preview of different types of experiences women have when they're birthing. But I remember before I had my third, I read a quote that said, Black women are three to four times more likely to die during pregnancy and childbirth and even postpartum. And that for me is why it was so important for me to have a doula. I think a lot of women go into birth and they're scared for the pain. I literally went into all of my births scared I would die. And I'm not just like saying that just to say that that's literally a fear that I would tell Corin, like, I need you to be able to speak up and advocate for me if I can't use my voice for whatever reason, because that's just a reality in America that black women die in birth. And so I felt like it was really important to have a doula. So I couldn't find one in my area. So I went to this course and I was like, I'm going to learn these skills for myself and I'm going to hear more about it. And I'm going to just fully prepare myself because I can't get a doula. And also I'm really passionate about birth. So I want to be a doula myself. While I was there, I obviously met you. We clicked and I asked you to be my doula and you did. So that's how that kind of happened. And also my path to wanting a doula as I learned more about birth and all of that. Yeah, I, I'm so glad that we have crossed paths in our lives and and we have such a special friendship now. And we only have that course to think. But then going into your birth, we knew that you were going to have a scheduled induction. And a lot of what you just talked about is actually the reason for that. So I want you to tell the listeners also why you chose to have a scheduled induction. Yeah. So at my practice, there's five doctors or five OBs there. And the way it works is you get whoever is on call. If your water Mm -hmm. breaks or you go into labor. And I know that works that way for some States, but other States, it's like your doctor will come in, but that's not how mine works. So out of the office, there's only two of the five that I fully feel comfortable with because of questions I've asked during my OB visits or comments they've made, things they've said that one, I didn't want to end up with a C-section, which, you know, there's this whole cascade of interventions. Once one intervention starts and you might end up with a C-section because of all of those. And so for those different reasons, I only felt comfortable with two. And so the only way to make sure I had one of those two was to have a scheduled induction. So that's why I chose that route. And so it allowed me to do that. And also, so I chose that with Scotty and her birth went really quickly. And so for that reason, and to choose my doctor, I chose that again for the third birth. And so for the third birth, it was for my daughter, Kobe, we call her Cece, but her name is Kobe Mimi. And so we chose an induction with her. And so with that, We had planned for Amy to meet us at the hospital around 9 a.m. This was also still during COVID. So we had to get all the sign-offs and things like that for her to be able to come and attend the birth and be there to support us. So we did that. Amy came at 
around 9 a.m. We got there at six. I think they started the Pitocin probably around eight. If I'm remembering correctly, they started it in the morning and just with Pitocin, it's kind of a slow start. You don't ramp up all the way. They increase it by two. I don't know what the measure of units is, but they increase it by two each time. So they start there and I didn't have any cervical ripeners. I know some women go in and they have that, but my cervix was already favorable. I think I was two or three centimeters dilated already going in. And I was actually starting to have a couple of contractions on my own. Like I didn't really feel them, but when they hooked me up to the monitors, they said I was having them. So I had planned to get the wireless monitors and I got them. So you can be fully wireless and walk around your room and do all the different positions and things like that. But we were having a lot of trouble with them throughout the day. They weren't connecting right. And so I was hooked up to the Pitocin. I wasn't feeling much. Amy got there at nine and we were just kind of talking. I was sitting on a yoga ball. My water hadn't broken yet. We were just, Amy, my husband and I were just hanging out, chatting and really just having a good time. It was just a really easy experience to start. And so the nurse kept coming in and she kept fiddling with the monitors. They wanted to have continuous monitoring So they could hear the baby at all times, but it kept going out. And so she would come in every five, 10 minutes to adjust and play with the monitors. And at this point with the Pitocin, my contractions really hadn't picked up. They weren't, I was breathing through them, talking through them. And so that was fine, but it was starting to get a little frustrating and annoying just having her constantly come in as we were kind of getting into a flow of her adjusting them. So we decided to go to the wired monitoring where you're connected to the pole. And so we switched to that. I don't know what time that was, but we switched to that and it it still wasn't working well. So I was sitting on the yoga ball and she was still just having to come in and, and mess around with everything. But around 1 PM, they came in and I think they checked me and I wasn't really contracting. So we were Corey and Amy and I were like, are we going to get the show on the road here? What, what's going on? And we had my doctor come in and break my water. And so after my water broke, it's now 1 p.m. I had been on Pitocin since 8 a.m. They were slowly increasing it. But after my water broke is when things started to pick up. That's when I started to feel contractions. That's when I started to just kind of go into the zone And during this time, as I'm starting to go into the zone, the nurse is still coming in and and adjusting my monitor every couple of minutes so they could get the baby's heart rate. It was around that time, shortly after my water broke, maybe about an hour after my water broke, that I just went into this labor land. So I went from being part of the conversation and in the conversation to I kind of just like turn off. I went from talking to Amy and Corin to just being really quiet and in my own head. And so I had a doula there. I had Amy there, but, and she offered to do counter pressure or, you know, different positions. But for me, I was very much just like, don't touch me, leave Mm -hmm. me alone. I can do this myself, but it was really comforting knowing they were there, even though they weren't physically touching me or having me do any different positions.
I wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our Mother's Day sale. Because Expecting and Empowered was created for mamas, by mamas, on behalf of my sister Crystal and I, we wanted to wish you a very happy Mother's Day. To celebrate you, we are offering 25% off our monthly or yearly app subscription. Sign up by using the link in our show notes or by visiting the Apple App Store or Google Play, search Expecting and Empowered app to get the discount. The app gets you full access to our pregnancy and postpartum guide, as well as our core series, our running series, and our advanced postpartum guide. These years can be packed full, but we know how important it is for women to take care of themselves so you can feel your best and show up the best you can for your family. You deserve it. So again, visit our show notes or search for us at the Expecting and Empowered app in whichever app store you use. Happy Mother's Day. So that was around two where I started to really feel the contractions. I think in between contractions, I was still chatting a little bit, but when they came, I started to be quiet. Shortly after that, my nurse came in and suggested I get on the bed. I didn't want to get on the bed. I wanted to be sitting up on on the ball. That was the most comfortable position for me. But, And I actually forgot to mention every so often she would come in and make me get on the bed so she could get the heart rate and then I could go back on the ball. So she said, why don't we try you on the bed for a while? I really didn't want to do it, but you know, it was either that, or I don't know what else they, what other options they had, but I got into the bed and she was still just kind of touching me and and that my contractions were starting to pick up. And I remember one contraction. I was like, can you just wait until this contraction is done? Because those contractions at that point, I don't know, maybe it was, it was getting closer to three o'clock. Now my stomach was getting really, really hard where you can physically just kind of feel everything get really hard and really tight and that full body contraction and you feel it in your bottom. And also I forgot to mention, I didn't have any pain medication at all. So I could feel everything. So it was those types of contractions. I just remember her like trying to adjust the monitor and my stomach was so tight and I'm like, just stop touching me. I don't mm-hmm. want to be touched. So I, I feel like I remember in the back of my head, Amy and Corin also kind of helping me vocalize that because I was also speaking at that point in kind of clipped short words. So them helping me say, just wait until the contraction's done to adjust it. So she did. She waited very shortly after that. So they broke my water at one. Things started picking up around two, 2.30. I got in the bed around three. Shortly after that, I had another contraction. I remember telling, I think the nurse was in the room and she checked me. And she was like, you're like three or four centimeters, or maybe I was six. I honestly have no idea. I was a little bit, I was, I definitely wasn't like 10 centimeters. Yeah. yeah. I, like, and also she had trouble finding like my cervix. She was like trying, it was like really high up, which has always been the case for me. Like I have a really high up there cervix, so they can't really feel it. So she's like, you're nowhere near ready to have mm-hmm. a baby yet. But I was like, the baby's coming. And she's like, mm, I don't think so because you're not 10, your baby's still really high. And I was like, no, the baby's coming. And I just knew the baby was coming. And so I remember Corin saying, can you get the doctor in here? And she's like, I really can't, I really can't call the doctor in here. And I remember Amy kind of just like a little bit more aggressively, (laughs) aggressively. I was like, like you need to go, you need to at least go get another nurse and bring her in here. Cause we are telling you that this baby is coming. Yeah. I use the word eloquently. She uses the word aggressively. (laughs) I was like, I said in labor land, but 
So then she said, we can have another nurse check you. And I was like, no, I'm not having another nurse check me. I remember like, I did not want any more fingers in there. I was like, I'm done. I know this baby is coming. Mm -hmm. So she's like, all right, I'm going to go get another nurse. So the other nurse, as the other nurse comes in, I'm having another contraction and I'm like, the baby's coming. And I feel my body like bearing down and like that, what's it called? The fetal ejection reflex where like, I'm not actively trying to push. Like my body is just pushing this baby out and I'm making those sounds that, which by the way, when I was laboring, I think I was very quiet. I don't, I'm not like a loud laborer, but this, like when the baby was coming, I think they could tell that I was starting to like make the noises that the baby was coming. Just those very instinctual sounds that here comes the baby. So this nurse walks in this additional nurse she brought in who had a lot more experience was like, get the doctor in here. The baby's coming. And from there, it was just like calling everybody. Everybody's running in, like gloves rushing on, like super quick. So just like from a timing perspective, it was like three o'clock. It's now like 320 or something. Like between the time of when I got on the bed, things went very quickly. So everybody was rushing in. I was also, I was on my side and I was not going to be moving. I couldn't move at that point. I was like ready to go, ready to have the baby. I was already starting to push. The doctor comes in and I just like the baby was coming. Like I was, I could feel, and it's so weird. I did have one epidural birth and I had two non-epidural births and I could feel the shoulders, the hat, like you can feel it is such a unique experience that people talk about this experience. And when you get to experience that and really just feel your baby coming into the world, there is nothing like it. It's painful, but it's just like this out of body experience. There's just so much joy in knowing that I'm doing this. My body was meant for this. And I know it sounds so cliche, but it really is true. We were you know, built to be able to bring babies into this world. And it's such a great feeling. And then when, when the baby is fully out, that just like you hear the baby cry and you, they put her up on your chest and like, I've Amy on one side and Corin on the other side, and they're both tearing up behind me. And they're like, just there supporting me for this like great experience that this was, it was really just such an amazing experience. And, and to be able to have Corin there in the room this time after missing the last birth, and to have Amy there supporting us and just feeling fully supported by the whole team that was in there with us was really amazing. So Cece was born. They put her on my chest and that was awesome with Scotty. They didn't put her on my chest. So having that, it was great. And then after she was born, I remember feeling so much pain. I remember thinking to myself, there is no way I am not ripped to shreds down there. And my doctor was like, I think I then no, I didn't deliver the placenta yet. I was like, this part is a little bit fuzzy to me, but I do remember just feeling like swollen immediately, sore to the touch. Cause she's like, I'm going to try to deliver the placenta or she, my doctor like stepped away for a second. But one of the nurses was like, doctor, come back. There's a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. And this is where it's like a little fuzzy because the baby is on my chest, but I just also remember feeling a lot of pain down there. And so the doctor comes back and I can just kind of see on her face at first, like something's not going right. And so she's like, all right, we're going to try to deliver the placenta. 
And I think I was either pushing or it wasn't like coming out. And in my head, while this is happening, I'm actually thinking back to, which I don't know, you didn't tell this on your podcast yet, Amy, but to your birth with Cole, that's like literally what I was thinking as, because you had told me about that with a retained placenta, what I'm thinking as I'm like sitting here is my doctor is like trying to get my placenta out and she's sticking her hands up in there to try and like get my placenta out. And I could feel everything. I could feel everything happening because I didn't have any pain medication. And I remember them asking me because I was at this point, like screaming my head off in my mind, I was screaming way louder during this than I was during the actual Oh, and that is, I was going to say that's a hundred percent accurate. Like you after the baby was born and out versus you during labor where it was almost like two different people. Mm -hmm. So it's like sometimes with that, like the baby, like that's such an active journey. Like you two are working together. Mm -hmm. This baby comes out and then after cares, sometimes when you haven't had anything on board, it's a different beast. And then your aftercares kind of took a little bit of a turn Mm -hmm. to which your doctor had to be all the way up in you trying to get this placenta to come out. Mm -hmm. There was much more blood than they wanted to see. Like Mm -hmm. it was a very intense half hour, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, like I said, it's a little fuzzy, but I do remember just screaming and having the baby. And I was like, someone has to take the baby because Mm -hmm. I'm going to drop her because this hurts so bad. Like I couldn't hold her. So they're like, we'll take her. We'll get her cleaned up. And I just see them kind of removing all the bloody pads and things. And the doctor was saying, I feel like she told me like, because the baby came out so fast and like, didn't move down slowly where like you typically would labor down. I think I went from somewhere like a six to baby out in a very short period Mm -hmm. of time that she said my placenta was like still stuck up under my ribs kind of. So she had to pull it down. And so she had her hand in there and was like, she said she was like scraping out my uterus. I remember they went to give me a shot and the nurse almost put it in the IV. And I remember the doctor was like, it's always IM. It's never IV. So always putting it in you know, the muscle versus into the IV because I had so much bleeding. And so that's where with this birth, it was that birth was a dream. It went so well. The labor went went so well. My actual act of labor, I don't know, maybe two hours, like where I was like really in labor land, it was very short with Pitocin. Your body has to like get ready, get used to it. All of those things for the contractions to build up. But the after for me was very intense. It was a lot of pain and I hadn't experienced that before, but I think it's times like that where I'm really thankful that one, I came prepared with listening to podcasts, listening to things to get knowledgeable about what it's like to be a Black woman birthing in the US. Mm -hmm. And then having an induced labor where I had a doctor that that was like my number one choice doctor in the office. And I feel she delivered my first baby too. And I feel so comfortable with her. And I also, the way she was describing what was happening was so calm. It's like, no worries. And like really just talking to us, but making sure that, you know, as Corin probably is seeing all this blood also as my husband to not be freaked out that I'm bleeding a lot and not knowing what was going on. So to have all of those pieces kind of come together when we did get into a situation that could potentially be scary, I did feel safe, even though I was thinking like knowing about that it could be a retained placenta could lead to a surgery after birth. And that's where 
you know, they were able to get it out and I got the shot and, and everything was fine. And I didn't have any tearing, which I was extremely surprised by because I just felt like not good down there for yeah. a while. So yeah. I wanted to have you on the podcast to tell your birth story for a few reasons. And I'll tell them to you. Number one is I think that inductions can get a really bad rap and they aren't for everyone. But I think that a birthing mother needs to feel really safe to be able to progress and to be able to bring a baby into the world. And so for Molly, her feeling safe was being able to pick her provider. And that is why the induction was chosen. And I I think it's safe to say you're very happy with that choice. Mm -hmm. And then number two, we were chatting about this before we got started as being a black woman and having to make these choices or even the advocacy that you needed at different points in your journey. It's like to put a voice to that so that people can understand like, this is a reality that's going on in America. This needs to get better. We are putting women in dangerous situations if we're not listening to them. And so in Molly's case, it was like, okay, if at least if I have a doula in the room with me, I'll have another voice that has my back. Because if you guys don't know much about doulas, doulas are really there to support the mom and to support whoever else is in the room as far as birthing partners. Mm -hmm. So I am there for them. I am not there to make any decisions about the care, essentially. It's a supportive role. So you know, at times with this newer nurse, we had to, as the three of us, Molly's husband, Molly and I say things several times for her to really hear. Like we, we really thought we might have to, I told Molly because she was feeling like this baby's coming out. And I said, Molly, if that happens, we are here for you it will be okay. Like, you know, at that point, you can't hold the baby in. We're telling the nurse, like, we're not trying to, we're not trying to low-key do this ourselves, but we will if we have to. I think you told me we will catch the baby. And I think that's what I was like, okay. Because that's what I was like, you know, she's not hearing me. I know I'm about to push this baby out and she doesn't think so. <laughs> so yeah, that's the crazy thing about labor. And like the reason that we're going to have so many birth stories on the podcast is like, yeah, there's a typical way it goes, but you know, for Molly, for me, our third baby is like, we went from six to 10 in no time. Mm-hmm. And then the, and then we're telling these people like this baby's coming and they don't mm-hmm. believe you. And it's yeah. like, wait, this is my third time, you know, like, yeah. how are you not, I'm telling you, this child is going to come out. Okay. So get your gloves on, do what you need to do because this baby's coming. So I think there's something. So for those moms that are about to go into this process, is there anything that you would say to them in terms of like, did you prepare yourself to be your own advocate? Did you like, how would you help her to realize that like, she does have to speak up for herself? Yeah. So I would say with each birth, I learned a little more and I'm so happy at the point I arrived at the third. I wish I would have known all that at the first, but I think it's very common for women to think like the hospital, the doctor, like they've got me and you might have a really great Mm -hmm. provider, but 
a lot of them are probably overworked. They have a lot of patients and same with the nurses. I mean, across the country, just with everything going on in the world. So I think preparing yourself as much as you can. I know that scares some people, but listening to finding there's so much information out there, whether that's through Instagram or through podcasts or through books or a class, and you could do online classes, whatever it is to prepare yourself to just know what that journey looks like. Because one of the things we learned in our doula training, and, and you can read it in all different books and things like that is what I mentioned before, this cascade of interventions. So if you're going to go in with induction and you're a first time mom and your doctor recommends a 39 week induction and your cervix is not any dilated, it's not favorable. The chances of you ending up with a C-section are probably a Mm -hmm. lot higher than me as a third time mom who got induced at 39 weeks, but I had a favorable cervix. I didn't need a ripener. I didn't, you know, so coming to prepared to know what types of questions to ask is going to benefit you and what your outcome is going to be of that birth. And so for me, what my goals were was to one, not have a C-section if I didn't need it. Whereas we use this term like emergency C-section, but if you really look at it, was it an emergency or was it that you were pushing for three hours because you had so many medications? Anyways, that's a whole other topic. But so I didn't want to end up with a C-section if I didn't need one. And I also didn't want to have pain medication. So I think coming prepared with the tools to know how to breathe, that was really helpful as well, which I didn't have that in my first birth. And I ended up with an epidural and in the second birth and this birth, I knew how to breathe. I knew what that looked like for me and also just coming prepared with tools to be able to cope. So I would say in terms of preparation, utilize what's out there and find whatever format that is, whether that's listening to different birth stories, which I personally love or reading different books, or just there's tons of Instagram resources out there. I love that answer. And because this is the Expecting an Empowered podcast, one thing I wanted to talk about was like the physicality of giving birth and like talk us through like the prep that goes into that. Because what you and I both know is that first of all, birth is a very physical event. A. Mm-hmm. B, then you went home, you had two other kids and a baby mm-hmm. to take care of. So I'm like, yeah. the thing for us is like, we try to tell women, it's not like life is physical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, if you're training for it a little bit, chances are you're feeling better during those times. So I want mm-hmm. you to just touch on that before we end. Yeah. So actually with it, expecting empowered and the physical part of it, I mean, after my first birth, I want to say that's when I found expecting and empowered because I couldn't hold my pee. I would laugh and just like have to mm. wear the pens still. Mm-hmm. And so like I was looking for support with that. And then I used it for my second pregnancy and then my third and then postpartum. And I think all of that together really prepares you from a whole body perspective. Like it's focused on building strength in the areas where you need to, to focus on not just, you know, your pelvic floor, but also your core and also that diaphragmatic breathing that I've seen, you know, with Expecting Empower, I had the guides, the physical guides where you could go into YouTube and watch how to do proper breathing, which that breathing can then translate into birth. And I think, like you said, Amy, it is very physical, not only if you have one of these labors, that's 48 hours, which if it's your first baby, that could be totally normal that you, you might be up and exhausted and, and doing all these things. So really preparing your body and also mentally for what that could look like. You aren't going to know until you get there. Like you could plan all you want and we don't know what it's going to look like. So I think doing all those things will help you be set up for success. If you can 
prepare yourself in not only the mental and reading things, but also what that looks like from a physical perspective, not only before birth, but also postpartum. Because like you said, you know, I came home to two other little kids I have to take care of. And so to be able to parent them and carry them and and that's why expecting empowered the Instagram is so helpful. Just all the tips, how to carry a baby correctly, how, you know, momless, just so many things that we deal with that if you, you might just think, well, this is life now, but mm-hmm. peeing your pants when you jump a rope shouldn't be life. You know, there's, there's resources out there to help figure that out. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. But, oh, um, totally. Yeah. And I want to say your birth, Cece's birth was so beautiful. You guys in the doula role, I was behind her when she was pushing and I'm just bawling because to see you guys meet your third baby together in the way that you had imagined, like I can't imagine Drew missing our second baby's birth because he simply went to get lunch because everyone told him he had time to get lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to see you guys as a team greet this baby together, I was bawling, but like I'm a doula. So I'm like pretending I'm not crying <laughs> because I'm not there. It's not my show. So it was just so beautiful. So to end, how would you in like two words, how would you describe your birth experience with Cece? Oh, two words. I don't have any other words, but it was exactly what I imagined my birth to be like. Like it was everything I could have hoped for in a birth experience, honestly. So a very good one to end on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we want for every woman. Okay. You guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, Molly and I would be honored if you shared it on your Instagram story and tag us at expecting and empowered and then tell them what your handle is. It's at Love Baby and Toddler. Love Baby and Toddler, where they share really good recommendations for everything Baby and Toddler. Thank you guys so much for listening. 